Welcome to Dialogue Out Loud. I'm Taylor Petrie, editor of Dialogue, a Journal of Mormon Thought. This is our third year bringing you audio stories and personal voices from the pages of our quarterly journal. And this year, we're excited to showcase new pieces from writers such as Katie Ledlow Rich, Megan Armconnect, Taisha Osler, and more. We couldn't do it without support from our listeners and subscribers. So we just want to say thank you. If you'd like to hear more great audio content like this, go to dialoguejournal.com slash podcasts. Enjoy. Bear One Another's Burdens by Lauren Lemons. One. When I was a child, I entered baptismal waters with one pair of folded hands and rose up, one with hosts of linked fingers weaving nets for catching burdens, for bearing the weight of doubts and doubters. Two, I know the shepherd counts each woolly head, knows each bleeding cry, loves us even when wonder leads us to wander beyond ordained fences. Surely every wounded sheep is cradled and carried home, washed with the same gentle, wounded hand. Do the others lean their soft, musky bodies against the lost one's side, warm breath mingling in the night's air? Three. Lawyers sit at court, twisting statutes, resting loopholes. Can't he who confounded their bladed questions conjured every sheltered alcove from the dust of stars, make space for every facet of his love reflected in us? 4. Zion is not a place where we will whisper murky judgments from closed circles. Light will pierce every spirit, soul motes glittering like dust in a window. We will know how we've been carried, how our hands have been wiped clean. Getting There by Millie Tullis My husband questions the good historical centers like this do. Kids come every year on a field trip and leave thinking history sucks because they don't want to touch a cow's hot udder. He did not want to touch the cow's udder and is remembering how the man dressed as a pioneer called them city slickers when they lived 10 minutes down the road. I loved these field trips and saved babysitting money to return in the summer. I made candles by running in a circle, imagined I was Laura Ingalls Wilder, churned butter in a skirt. The historical farm was his great-great-grandfather's. He says, it's not like this is that farm. Half the valley was somebody's farm a hundred years ago. When I was a kid here, we kept our eyes peeled for the adults working behind the scenes who wore blue jeans and t-shirts like us. There were rules about what clothing volunteers wear on the farm. My husband did not know his great-great-grandfather had three wives, but he isn't surprised. The first dead, the next two in polygamy. The second and third were sisters. 
They share one headstone nearby, the sisters and the husband. The oldest sister, who is the second wife, buried between her husband and sister. They were both 19 the years he married them. I can't stop digging up my dead men for judgment. My great-grandfather, who had an affair with his secretary after his round-faced wife gave birth to nine-pound twins and lived. My mother remembers the skin on this grandmother's stomach hung over her aproned waist like a long pancake. My third great-grandfather married his stepdaughter. My second great-grandfather also married his stepdaughter after raising her from the age of eight. Tonight, we do not enter the visitor's center where the photograph of my husband's great-great-grandfather hangs. We are walking to the open grass before the too clean to be accurate mercantile storefront selling honey and rock candy sticks to listen to the state-sponsored symphony perform in the 125th year of Utah statehood. We open our camping chairs above the earth. My husband's great-great-grandmother walked. The younger sister of her husband's second wife, she married him in Mexico three months before Wilfred Woodruff's revelation renounced the practice of polygamy publicly, clearing the way for statehood. Tonight, the smoke from California's fires reddens the setting sun until the only lights left on are the stars, the stringed bulbs of the mercantile store, and the half-domes of light letting the players see the song they have already begun to play. St. George, Utah by Millie Tullis. Not named for the saint who met the princess by the lake and with her girdle leashed the dragon, who killed it for the people's conversion, whose chapel in Windsor holds a part of his skull, part of his arm, or his heart. In a cup of Griffin's egg, two fingers. Mormons have no saints save the pioneers. St. George, the cousin of Joseph Smith. George A. Smith, whom the Paiutes call Non Choco Witcher, takes himself apart after watching him remove his teeth, glasses, and wig, who did not settle that place, but called the saints to settle it, instructed them to eat potatoes raw with skin to prevent scurvy. They called him Potato Saint. A few miles north, my English great-great-grandmother Agnes ate only potatoes and salt for three weeks when her husband was on a mission in Europe because there was no other food. I do not know what her sister wife ate. When her baby fell into the fire, Agnes rubbed halved potatoes onto the burned hands, wrapped each finger separately so they would not graft together. A finger was taken three months later. Someone said it was corrupting the other fingers. Agnes told a story from England. A poor woman's pastor visits and asks to pray with her. As he prays, she interrupts him with potatoes, potatoes. When he stops praying, she explains God might hear her between the man's words and think to send a starving woman potatoes, potatoes. This is the joke.
These poems were read by Lola Binkert. Print versions can be found in the fall 2022 issue of Dialogue Journal. This episode was produced and edited by Daniel Foster Smith. Our executive producer is Taylor Petrie. Emily Jensen is our content manager. And Adam McLean does our social media. Original music by Daniel Foster Smith. Dialogue Out Loud is produced by the Dialogue Foundation, a registered 501c3, with support from Mary Thieves and Salton Studios. To find more great audio content like this, go to dialoguejournal.com. And while you're there, consider donating. Thank you. I'm going to take a risk in this ad by saying the word holiness right here in the very first sentence. That's risky because the word can trigger all kinds of positive or negative feelings. I mean, sometimes I'm afraid to call something holy because it makes things feel sort of unrelatable or or like disconnected from everyday life. And really, I mean, that's too bad because the word's actually related to wholeness and helpfulness, which suggests that maybe we can learn to find holiness in places we never really thought to look before. I'm talking about holiness like a fire. It can warm, but it can also burn. You might get smoke in your eyes, but the flickering flames are also really beautiful. If this kind of holiness sounds appealing, you should check out Fireside with Blair Hodges. It's a podcast featuring writers, artists, and activists who can help expand your concept of holiness to include the gritty, earthy stuff of everyday life. Come fan the flames of your curiosity at Fireside with Blair Hodges, part of the Dialogue Podcast Network. Available at firesidepod.org and wherever you get your podcasts. Dialogue Podcast Network.